Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast. I am your host, Denny Duma, producer Carl. Hey, Carl. We have the noise canceling mics now. We can't hear you. He said hello. Uh, this is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be something. Uh, <laughs> doing a little real estate update uh, podcast tonight with the Garbaduma real estate team. Uh, no bias at all, but I think this is one of the best teams in Greater Vancouver. Yep, yep. Uh, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Adam Senek? It is going quite all right. Quite Monica all right. Harms? Oh, always good to be with that. Okay, that's enough, Adam. Done. It's, it's good. <laughs> Lucas McCann. Amazing. Nice. And last but not least, Sean Gamba. Fantastic. <laughs> Are we missing I was, someone? That was super uh, enthusiastic, guys. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. This is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I. The purpose of this podcast is just to provide everyone with a little bit of insider info of what's going on in the real estate market right now in Greater Vancouver. It's been a bit of a roller coaster in the last year or two, and we just kind of want to share with you what we are seeing right now and maybe some predictions for what to expect later in 2019. Uh, This is definitely not going to be a stat show where we throw out sales ratios and exciting numbers like that although we do have those numbers and if you are interested in them please email (laughs) us it's just not that exciting to talk about on a podcast really we're just going to give you some info on like how we're feeling what we're seeing what buyers are saying as they're coming through open houses stuff like that um let's just start off what are we seeing right now guys what's early 2019 looking like we're uh seeing a lot we're seeing gradually increasing activity in terms of people coming out um, but we haven't really seen a significant increase in sales activity so we are seeing buyers who are looking they're shopping uh, they're coming out but we haven't seen a lot of them translating that into pulling the trigger and uh, writing offers and sales actually happening so there's some there's some reason to believe that things will pick up as uh, interest seems to be going but we're still waiting for that tipping point um, for activity to really start rolling Let's maybe give a little bit of background info to anyone who hasn't necessarily been paying attention to the Greater Vancouver real estate market. Uh, 2016, 2017 were insanity. Um, 2016, I call the year of the house. 2017 was the year of the condo. And it seemed like every week was a new record sale in the neighborhood. It seemed like every listing that was priced appropriately was getting three, five, ten offers. And most properties were selling subject free 2016 was all about houses and uh it seemed like every month was better than the last and although we had a record sale in march it seemed like that was unattainable again and april beat it and may beat that and june beat that and 2017 it kind of switched over into condos the houses had climbed so much in value that the gap was too big and condos kind of followed along in 2017 and the last let's say nine months ish it has slowed down quite a bit we've seen activity uh slow down a lot we've seen uh market values of homes come off 15 to 20 percent depending on neighborhoods we've seen market value of condos come off five to ten percent um who wants to talk a little bit about the fall the fall was a weird period go for it sean Fantastic. (laughs) Thanks for throwing me out there. Uh, The fall was an interesting time. I find that, uh, or at least I found that most of my sales happened at the end of the summer. Once we had fall, you know, I started to see everything kind of slow down a bit. 
Uh, same thing with November. December, you know, was fairly active compared to the other years. And then once we hit uh, December, sorry, once we hit January, it was crickets. I mean, nobody was really out there. Anybody that did come through, they were just kind of peering through the window, seeing what was out for sale. And they just wanted to see where the market was going. So, I mean, we had a few tips from mortgage brokers saying that the rates were going to come down. And uh, just as of about two weeks ago, we noticed that the rates were staying fairly the same. Uh, some have come down if you're looking at fixed, but it still seems to be the same as it was back in December. People are just still out there just kind of looking. Where did the slowdown come from? What what What's caused the slowdown in the last year or so? That's a really good question. I Here's the thing. 2016, it started to slow down because of the tax that was included, the foreign buyer's tax. You know, we started to see a little bit of a disruption in the market, but... That's that was a pretty quick hiccup, though. It was. I think, leg- like, um, government people who make these legislations, I think they thought it was going to hurt a lot more than it did. And it seemed like it was like a three to six month slow period where values went down overnight in the summer when they announced it. For single family homes, really, condos were basically unaffected. The tax that we're talking about right now, if you are unaware, is the foreign buyer tax that came in. End of July, 2017, uh, 20, sorry, 2016. 2016. Yeah. 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 Around the summertime. I think it was around July, uh, mid August was when it came out. That was a pretty significant tax is basically they announced it three days before it came into effect. And, uh, <laughs> it was, so it was a 15% tax on property value for anyone that was not a Canadian resident, which is the way they brought it out was ridiculous. Um, but I really, I, I didn't see it hurt too much. It was like a really quick turnaround. True. And I agree with you on that point. I think it's kind of, for lack of better words, I think it's a bit foolish to say that um, a 15% tax for foreign buyers is really going to disrupt the market. I mean, we're talking about people who are buying four plus million dollar homes. So 15% to them, not really that significant. But what I think it was, was almost a market indicator for showing that, um, you know, the economy, uh, politics and stuff like that, we're going to be affecting the market soon. So, I mean, even though it was 15%, you're right, it was just a minor hiccup. But over time, that's when we started to see a huge difference is people started to lose confidence in the political and the economic system. So you're saying it was a foreshadowing of what mm-hmm. was to come. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then and that's what we're starting to see now as well is if you're looking at our economies, I mean, the stock markets came down quite a bit. Our interest rates came up. Um, we also had the speculation taxes. And I think that's what's kind of carrying on to this year is, as we talked about it in our previous realtor meetings, you know, people's buying power went down by 20%. So, I mean, now people are just like, well, you know, if we can afford 20% less than we did before. And there's some talk about interest rates and even the speculate, sorry, not the speculation tax, but the, um, the stress test uh, going away, you know, maybe we should hold on. But then what people need to realize is, is properties, properties are sitting right now. Why not take advantage of, of the uncertainty in the market and try to get those low ball offers in? I, yeah, I think, uh, when the stress test was announced, what was it fall of 2017 there was a big buyer pool who had been pre-approved or had like rate holds that weren't affected by the stress test they just had to complete by february or whatever the rule was and so 
it's interesting to look back now and see how active the first three or four months of 2018 were. And it seemed like as soon as April hit, when all that, that pool of people who weren't affected by the stress test had bought or had their pre-approvals had run out, it was just like a steady decline for the next like nine months. Um, yeah, I think it was just a combination of everything. I think while well, interest rates have gone up, let's say one and a half percent in the last 18 months ish stress test came in, which hurt buying power a lot Foreign buyer tax was a year before. And now this crazy bullshit without the NDPs thrown at us with speculation tax and vacancy taxes that they're really, they, they really had a great plan coming into this. <laughs> and on, and on top of that too, you get the, uh, just publicity and media out there. And then you start getting group think as well, where, um, just a lot of people, people who are in the market talking amongst each other all start saying similar things about they're not sure about what's happening uh they think it's slowing down and then without really diving into looking into any hard facts on what they're dealing with um it's just you know talk amongst other people and them all coming to their own decisions that yeah this just isn't the right time and a lot of people just deciding to sit out and wait on the sidelines how Um, much do you think media influence affects buyer perception I think it's probably a ton because realistically, like uh, real estate education is not accessible, nor is it out there and available for people. Um, So media really is the way that people are educated. They might know a realtor um, that they can ask some questions to, but they might also not have full trust in that person because they think it's their job to sell them. Um, Whereas I think they might see the media as more of an unbiased opinion and might hold that to a little more truth which isn't necessarily true um but yeah i think it does have a big influence and then also just people talking to each other that not to say that they're wrong for not being educated on it but they aren't educated on it and they're talking to each other and bringing coming to their own conclusions where in reality when you're talking about the fall like that was a great time to buy there's a lot of people who did get a lot of really good buys in that window um i think that window of that kind of prime time buying has passed a bit but a lot of people are still sitting off saying yeah i'm just waiting for a really good deal i want a really good deal and it's like okay well you can wait your whole life but there are deals to be had at any time it's about what's finding out there do you think though do you agree with media influence no okay Let's hear what your point of view is. I feel the media influence is there, but a certain demographic. Mm -hmm. I think the younger demographic is primed and ready to make the attack now. And that really comes into the relationship with the real estate agent. Hashtag prime and ready. Hashtag (laughs) realtor life. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're good, like we are, Mm -hmm. G&D. But anyways, I I just, I find that the media is there and making an influence on a demographic that's like 50 years and older. I totally agree that it has a stronger influence on the older demographic, but also the reality of the demographic that is making transactions right now, more of it is the older demographic than the younger. So I yeah, think they have a bit the more. The problem influence. that you run in there is that the older demographic influences the younger demographic. So if their kids are buying mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are hearing these hard facts, then they're telling their children one thing and 30 year olds mm-hmm. very rarely make a purchase without consulting their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that that's, that's the, the age group that's being affected the most by the stress tests and by the interest 
rates and they usually don't make a big purchase like that without mom or dad knowing about it and and if they're the ones that are hearing the the gloom and doom of the market they're passing that down to their kids so i haven't been into one meeting in the last nine months where one of the first three questions isn't what's really going on with the market (laughs) because they don't know and they don't have access to the hard facts and they haven't been educated even in the last three years leading up to their first purchase to even really know what to do to prepare themselves. So it's a lot of different things that have caused the problem, but education, public education should be everyone's biggest concern. If only we had Instagram and Facebook to talk about this. Speaking of what the hell, I had so many good stories to post today. Oh, I was oh, on fire today. Oh, sure today. you were, I was Lucas. so handcuffed. <laughs> see what I have lined up right now? Same. I was like, I had so much good stories. Instagram is going to be so flooded the minute it turns back on. <laughs> Lucas is going to have 38 stories it's by gonna, himself. It's going to be raining tomorrow, but he's going to have all these like sunny pictures on his stories. <laughs> Don't give away my secrets. <laughs> I, okay, I want to bring up a point about the media, though. It seems like in Greater Vancouver, there's been this bubble that is ready to burst for 25 years. So when you look at uh, public perception of real estate in general, do they really care about the media? What the media is saying? The media has been negative on real estate in Greater Vancouver forever. As long as I've been alive. Yeah, That's why people always ask you what's really going on because they don't trust the media. Lucas? Adam? (laughs) <laughs> what 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 else what else are they hearing like th- like what else are they hearing other than the media so you're right? saying where do they go for information yeah like what 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 other info are they getting like they they might take it they might not fully believe it but it's still the only thing being put in their face so they're not getting other ideas in front of them like it might not be they might see hear whatever the media is saying and being like okay i don't fully agree with that but there's probably a bit of it that they are attaching onto, and they're not getting the contrasting thought put in front of them um, for them to have anything to really strongly feel otherwise. Like, for example, when the foreign buyer tax came in, the media was like, this is it. This is the bubble. <laughs> it's over for Greater Vancouver. And literally six months later, it was busier than it was that summer. So <laughs> I, I don't know how much I believe in what the media has to say, but where, where do people go for information if we can't rely on publications like newspapers and stuff like that you're local to who to where i think that's if i I hope i'm using this term correctly I, i think that's a loaded question because when you look at the news they give you a lot of stats and people find okay well you have stats to back up your story i think uh what people need to understand is that stats are biased Right. So, I mean, we could be looking at the two different sides of the same coin. So, I mean, it's a good idea to talk to, you know, real estate teams that are actually performing in the market, maybe such as our team, for example. I mean, we did over 115 deals last year and it was a slower market than the year before where we did 160. So, I mean, we have our finger on the pulse. We know what's happening in the neighborhood, who wants to list, who's selling, you know, the motivations behind all of this. Right. So I think when people listen to the news, I think they should take it with a grain of salt. I think there's more research that needs to be done. I mean, you could take a look at immigration rates. You know, how does it affect housing in Vancouver, right? If you look at that, you're going to start to see that um, developers are starting to go from condos to rental buildings. Well, why are they going to rental buildings? Well, because now there's government incentives for rental buildings. So 
if a rental building has incentives to build them and they also have incentives for developers, that means developers are getting paid for rental buildings, which means that densification is huge, which also means, I know I'm going to ramble on here, so sorry, give me one sec. So, which means if densification is huge, that means there's a few different types of properties that builders are going to buy out. They're going to either buy out older homes and assemble land. They're going to buy out older multifamilies and redevelop those into greater, bigger buildings, or they're going to go after forested areas like West Group did on the river district. So, I mean, there's still demand for land, whether it's uh, shifting to a rental market, whether it's shifting towards more rentals that need to be out there. I mean, there is real estate happening out there, real estate sales, but I guess market segments are shifting. So, I mean, like you mentioned before, Denny, 2016 was the year of the house. Now, all of a sudden, 2017 was the year of the apartments. You know, 2018, 2019 might be the year of buying rental buildings, right? So I think uh, to go back to the original question, you know, does media influence the way that people think about the real estate market? I think in short, yes. Where should they go for real estate information? Like actual real estate information, talk to a realtor. I mean, they're the ones that are actually buying and selling homes. That's their lifeline. That's their jobs. They have to have information and knowledge on that market. So I think if they want the real news and unbiased stats, talk to realtors. I mean, you're going to have biased stats in the news. They need to create stories. We have a lot of buyers on the go right now. It seems like the most common questions for buyers right now are, are prices going to keep going down? And <laughs> I'm only going to buy if I get a deal. How do you address those um, comments when you hear those from buyers? Lucas. <laughs> Monica. <laughs> I get that question every single time I meet with a new buyer, exactly. every single time. And I, I tell them that there are two types of sellers right now, sellers that know the value of their home and they refuse to sell it for less, and then sellers that have to sell and have to take less. So um, yes, there are deals out there, um, but they're not crazy like they heard of maybe last year. Maybe homeowners that were trying to sell last year um, ditched their properties really quickly because they had to and because this uh, market shift wasn't fully expected to be as uh, substantial as it really happened to be. But now um, the feeling is that if we wait, we'll get the price that we're looking for. They've seen that their neighbors have sold for a certain price and they're not willing to sell for less than what their neighbors sold. So yes, there's deals to be made, when buyers are asking, but it's not going to be, um, yes, if, if a, a detached home went from 1.8 to 1.5 last year and they, you know, sold it for 300,000 under, you're not going to get that deal in a townhouse or a condo. You're, you're going to get five, 10,000 off if it's been on the market a long time, if it's not move in ready and if it's not in a desirable area, but there's so many other factors that go into getting a deal. So if a deal to a buyer is getting it way under what they're asking, then yeah, you can get a deal. But I've seen a home in Surrey that priced it for 799,000 and went for over a, a million because the realtors are laughing at everybody thinking there's going to be a deal. So they put it at a price that they think that everyone's going to be looking and then they get, they entice everyone into a bidding war anyway. And it went for over a million dollars. This just happened, right? So yeah, that property went for 200,000 over asking in this hilarious market. It just depends on what you're looking at. And if your real estate professional that's sending you to go look at homes is telling you, yes, that home is priced fairly. No, that home is way overpriced. So it depends on on the price. Sean can't wait to talk. What, what are you yeah, no, I'm jumping say? out of my seat to get this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's uh, awesome that you mentioned that. And I definitely agree with you. There's 
there still is a chance to get a deal, but in order to get a deal in this market, you have to actually write offers, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, if you're sitting on the sidelines waiting for the prices yeah. to come down, why not yeah. just write that lowball offer and see yeah. what happens? I mean, for example, in the Southlands near UBC, there was a house that was listed over 3.3 million. It sold for 2.3. So, I mean, you're getting deals like almost 500,000 less than what the asking price is. So, I mean, if you're looking for a deal, now's the market to get in there and get a deal start writing the offers don't just sit on the sidelines don't wait for the market to do you a favor you got to go out there and find it that was the most logical good idea that i've heard in a long time (laughs) if you want to get a deal you got to write it out (laughs) (laughs) so true and and like the the fact behind that i like i have three buyers that that's this probably within the last five months that we wrote an offer I'm preparing this offer and I'd say 90% certainty in my mind. I'm like, this will not come together. One was a hundred K gap, um, like below listing 75 uh, K and another one was another hundred K each one of them. I was preparing offers like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's go on on this. Let's see what happens. Did all the background work I could do, but had no hopes of it actually going through <laughs> and they did. So that, that like totally goes to, goes to show what Sean says. Like if you want the deal, then go for it. Don't wait for it. Um, because it's not going to come to you. That's for no, sure. I just told a buyer that like an hour ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, if you want it, I'll go home right now. And write the offer for whatever you want to put down on it. Yep. And you, you, you build the story that yeah. you send it to the realtor, you have it send it to their yeah. seller and you yeah. give them the evidence that you, you do your end of it yeah. and you see how it goes. And you don't, you don't always know the circumstance that the seller is in. Um, you know, one of them, it happened to be a seller who, who doesn't live in this country and they're out of touch with the market. They were grossly overpriced. They weren't getting any attention. Now they have an offer in front of them and they're like, yeah, sure, let's make it happen. Um, another one they needed to sell because they, they had their other place lined up and they had to get out of this to not carry two mortgages. And it's just stuff that you don't, you don't always know going in. So you might as well, yeah, do something. Something might happen. Wait for something. Nothing's going to happen. Well, you wait for something. This what's going to happen is going to be back into uh, the spring market and multiple offer situations again. Right around it's, the corner. It's hard to tell buyers that though, because they no, I get that. They like, they think that the realtors yeah. just want them to buy sometimes, and they don't understand that we actually just really want to help them. <laughs> well, hopefully they understand that. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're trying to build with them, right? Yeah. But it's true. You just if you're writing an offer, even if it is way below, there is actually an opportunity to to have that relationship with the other party, because odds are they're going to come back and negotiate, and if they only come down a couple thousand dollars. And we know where they stand, but if they, at least at the end of the day, they're probably going to come back with something very rare right now, even if you go really low, that they're not even, that they're just going to ignore it altogether. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm starting to see right now. Yep. If you like something, write an offer, let's see where we're at and go from there. Yep. I think it's important to note that realtors are not magicians and we that don't have crystal true. balls. Carl, Carl is, is Carl a magician. Is. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Carl is not a realtor. I don't think magicians have crystal balls. Psychics do. Uh, yeah, but Carl could probably pull some fucking curse together and get people <laughs> down on their price just because he's a magician. <laughs> anyway, same shit, okay? It's magic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sansa. Anyways, we are not magicians. We don't have crystal balls. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We base our knowledge off of the history, right? off of what has happened in the past, off of what is sold in the neighborhood. And if something <laughs> sold a month ago for a million dollars and 
we can get you a property for 925 or 950 that is similar, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> In six months from now, is that property going to be worth 900 or 1.2? I don't know. We're basing our knowledge off of what has happened, right? Of course, we have predictions based on feelings, based on what we're seeing happening, based on how many people are coming through open houses and what they're saying. But it's educated guesses, right? If someone tells you to wait six more months because the market's falling, I think you need to run away from that. <laughs> yeah, person. it's true. Yeah, you're just reacting to the market. That's the biggest thing, right? That's what I tell people. We're not, we're not a psychic. We are literally reacting to what is going on because we do have our ear to the ground and are, and are on the pulse of what is actually going to happen. But we have no clue what six months is going to bring to us other than it's spring market. And obviously trends tell you what's yeah, exactly. possibly going to happen. Exactly. And that's what we're leaning on. Often this time of year is when it's still a touch slow and people are hesitant. But if you look at the last 10 years, the busiest three months of the year, are April, May, June, yep. in terms of market climb, in terms of number of inventory, in terms of number of buyers out there. So if people are saying, well, I'm going to wait a few months and see what happens. Usually this is when market picks up. So if, if agents sound a bit more aggressive in terms of like, this is a really good property with a good price tag. You should probably write an offer on it. It's because we know what is around the corner based on what has happened in the last 10 years. And I think it's happening again. Just have a little inclination. Uh, we talk about that. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Is uh, it called insider information? Yeah. hundred percent. It is. <laughs> oh. It's top secret. Stay tuned people. <laughs> break no <laughs> this is where our sponsorships come in <laughs> we have ads playing stealing oak beer we paid full retail for this no all right uh let's switch over to the seller side what are sellers saying right now i got a really good text today let's hear it <laughs> just don't name the name only yeah no no names no no addresses but uh let let, let this client of mine know when Talk, my, talking to the mic well, let this client of mine know when the uh our open house is going to be for this weekend and his text was it would be nice to have some serious buyers come through for a change <laughs> thanks for the update same <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um okay back to my magician point. <laughs> again like our goal with any listing is to market the shit out of it get it in front of as many eyes as possible obviously mls obviously professional photos but like other things online social media ads emails to local agents i would love to walk into a listing and be like i have the exact buyer for you he's going to give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars over what you want he just loves this property it doesn't exist, right? We're not magicians. We are a marketing company that sells real estate. Anyway, I just want to make sure that we are not magicians, okay? I would love to get you a 2016 sale price for your house today. It does not exist. It's like trying to sell a stock. Let's say you bought Bitcoin 10 years ago for like 30 cents or whatever it was. A year ago is worth what? 15 to 20,000. Now it's worth 4. What is it? 3,000? Three. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. You can't sell your Bitcoin for 20,000 right now, people. Just like we are <laughs> unlikely going to sell your home for a 2016 value. It's a market like any other. It goes up and down. Anyway, so what are what are the responses to sellers looking like right now? 
obviously people have, let's say their neighbor sold a year ago in a condo building and they got a sweet number and they want that number. And so they're disappointed that people aren't coming to open houses. They're disappointed that they haven't seen a great offer yet. I try to always like go back to what they bought their house for. Perspective. And, and when they bought it. What did you pay for your house and when did you buy it? Okay, so you paid, let's say it's a detached home, for example, and they've lived in it for 20 years, which a lot of downsizers do. They've probably spent, depending on what area they, I'll speak for the Tri-Cities where I do a lot of detached um, listings last year. And um, most people bought for under 100000 <laughs> but they were miffed if they could not sell it for over a million dollars. So um, those conversations were really difficult. Define myth. Just blown away. Okay. Just absolutely <laughs> blown away that when I would go and tell them how much their home was worth at that that day, today your home is worth maybe eight hundred and ninety nine thousand. But their own their their neighbor down the street who they've known for twenty years, he sold it for a million one. And my house is way better than theirs. <laughs> I, you know, repa- I repainted it. my driveway. Look at this cool thing I made that helps the hose work really well, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and yeah, those conversations were all about grass. Pers- yeah, all about perfectly per- <laughs> manicured. <laughs> all about perspective, you know, when it comes to, to sell. And also, where are you going? You're all, if you're selling in this market, that means you're buying in this market. So if you're selling today, you're buying today. You're not buying. If you sold for 1.1 million in 2016, you had to buy in 2016. What were you buying? Did you have to do a bidding war? Now you get to go under, you know? So just hello. Just perspe- you're, and likely you're ending it up with the exact same amount in the bank that the guy next door sold for 1.1 million, bought a condo. He ended up with maybe 500,000 in the bank. You can do the exact same thing today and also end up with 500,000 just with a different sale price. How are you explaining that to people? Just like that. Just like that. You guys know me. I'm a straight shooter. I just put the papers in front of them, show them the numbers, and then show them the 500 on each side and circle it really big on both sides. And then I push it towards them and then let them stare at the paper till it makes sense. In silence? In silence. (laughs) She doesn't even say anything throughout the whole time. She's writing down numbers, (laughs) circling 500. (laughs) Were they still miffed? Actually, no. Once, once you can penetrate their minds and get the sale price, because the sale price actually does not matter. It's what you're buying that matters. If you have a good realtor that can help you buy a home for a good value and help you set yourself up financially with the amount that you need in the end, because it's always the amount that you need in the end. It's not the amount that you have in the beginning. If you're selling for $1 million or you're selling for 800000 it doesn't matter. It's what you're buying and what ends up in the bank in the end. The sale price doesn't matter. I, yeah, that those are two things that I always bring up. One, perception. Sure, maybe your house was worth 10% more a year ago. But look at 2015 <laughs> value. If you sold before this crazy rush, you were selling for 60% less than what it is now. So just, again, back to markets. It's a market like any other. It's a stock market like any other. It goes up and down. Can you time it perfectly? No. I, very rarely do people time it perfectly. We've had a, we had a couple in the spring of 2017 that like sold and then waited a couple months and bought and it worked out really well. But you don't know that until you look back at history. 
and I completely agree with Monica in terms of like if you're buying and selling in the same market, it's a wash. It's if you're if you're downsizing, maybe it is a touch you're a touch over right now because houses have maybe gone down at a little bit more than um, strata properties, but it's a wash. I agree. It's so simple. Who, who else has had conversations with sellers and how are they going? Carl's upset at me. I dropped my pen. <laughs> I, I've found that at least what's made some of those conversations easier is a lot of uh, like condo listings. We're starting to get just a lot of inventory in the building. Um, you know, seven, eight listings up in a building. Um, and they're not moving either. So that's at least giving some backing to letting them know and just giving them weekly or bi-weekly up market updates on what's been selling, what's active, just what's been going on in their area. And when they see that 40 comparable listings in a very small radius around them are active, and since January 1st, there have been four sales out of those that type of property it really opens their eyes to oh okay like he's not just not doing his job it's just the way it's going right now and and then when they see a bunch of listings up in their building and they're not moving either um it at least gives us some backing um to just let them know that it's not us not doing our job it's just the timing of the market right now and 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 just trying to let them know that the trends that we were talking about before and just the the evidence and the facts that we've seen before about the spring market typically brings more activity. So letting them know that it's just a weird spot we're in right now, giving them the facts so they can see a bigger picture rather than just our words. Um, and then just keep keeping them believing to keep going for another couple months and, and hopefully enter a strong market and, and things should hopefully start going then. But what I, are you, Go ahead. I've lost my train of thought, but I was going to say is that <laughs> I feel like it's more of um, the markets have shifted in the fact that there are there's a condo market, townhouse market, detached market, and it also comes down to the motivation of their sellers. Where is it that they're going? Mm-hmm. Are they buying first, buying second? Are they buying at all after the fact or renting? Mm-hmm. And these are kind of shifting the markets a little bit on my end where if they are buying right away after they sell, they're being very realistic with the values. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're giving them a bottom end and a top end that sell now. And, you know, maybe we can try here and see in a couple of weeks, we can reevaluate where we're at. And if we're going somewhere in the middle, for some reason, I'm finding those ones are selling ASAP. If it's the right product, if it's a product that's move in ready nobody has to do anything they're good to just come on in and great you've got a great value now like monica's saying we can shift right away into buying something at a great value when you said in the middle you mean in between well just say for example uh properties you give them bottom end of four hundred thousand or top end of 450 but then you're going in at like 425 and they're selling at 430 Mm-hmm. But if you went at 440, or say you went at 450, mm-hmm. it just sits there for a couple of weeks. And then you're having that conversation. Maybe we should reduce, think about our motivation. We need to buy. You don't want to get into that market. If we do, we maybe, maybe have to pay more. So, I mean, I've, I've been finding that, whereas others who are thinking of let's, let's go in at a higher value because I'm just going to be renting later then you can afford more time, right? 
Does that make sense? Is now a good time to sell? If you're realistic, yes. That's one of the first questions so if you're, people always ask. If, right? Yeah, if you're buying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what your goal is. So if you're buying, how are you expressing that, yes, it is a good time to sell? Well, it depends on what they're looking for. It depends on how what they told their mortgage broker they could get for their home before they got approved. You know, it depends on if you, I love it when Sean um, has something to say, he moves the mic away from Lucas to himself. And I feel like a clock is ticking. I have 10 seconds to get out. No, no, no. Take, take your time. Take your time. Yeah. Anyway, it just depends, right? There's a lot more factors than what you hear in the media. There's a lot more factors. So yes, if, if you saw a house that has been listed since November and it was listed for a price and then it went down a hundred thousand and then went down 50 more thousand and it went down 20 more thousand. Is it a good time to sell? Yes. If it means you can get that house, of course, it's a great time to sell. Is it a good time to sell if you're downsizing like uh, Denny brought up earlier are you retiring is this your nest egg that you're counting on maybe it could not be a good time to sell you have to be smart you can't just be um impulsive it's a business selling is a business decision it's not just yeah it's it's a, always a business decision you have to think of it you wouldn't sell your car you know um if ever if everyone was driving a kia and you had a kia and and they all just bought Kias on the block. You wouldn't sell, try to sell your Kia to your neighbor. He already has a Kia, right? Like you just have to wait until everyone crashes their Kias and they really want a new Kia and then you sell yours, right? Or like Japanese whiskey when they stop making it. Yeah. Are we sponsored by <laughs> Kia? <laughs> we will be after this podcast. We're working on it. Yeah. So what you're saying though, if I really think about it, is that Right now is a perfect time as a seller to sell if you're going to go from a condo to a townhouse to a house. Yes. It's the perfect opportunity. Does that make sense? I think it's a great time to upsize right now. And I think uh, specifically upsizing, there's going to be a lot of inventory in the next few months. So if you're selling in the next 30 days, let's say, you're going to have such a big supply of what to buy. And I don't think it's going to be super competitive because the inventory is going to be mm-hmm. high that you're going to be in a really good buying position, knowing exactly what you have to then be picky and buy. Go ahead. Turn, and I'm just playing with you. I, I agree <laughs> with you, Denny, but <clears throat> just to add on to what you said there, I think it's a great time to sell if you're willing to list your house accordingly. You know, you can't just throw a 2016 price tag on your house thinking, oh, yeah, okay, when I get that extra 500000 on my house or condo or whatever it is, that'll be great because I can take advantage of the low prices. Well, if it's a low price market, you're probably going to get a low price sale, but that also means, you know, buying something else isn't as bad as it would be if you're buying something in 2016 where you had to go into multiple offers. Um, just to answer your previous question, um, you have to ask the sellers, why do you need to buy something else, right? And I think that's where people get caught up because some buyers want to buy because they need an investment opportunity. Some people want to buy because they need to upsize their houses. And sometimes people want to do both. And I think that's where people are getting confused because, you know, now they're jumping around from condos because you can also rent condos out. You can also rent homes out. So I think what it is, is you really need to understand what it is you're looking to buy and why you need to buy it. And then you can say, okay, now's a good time to sell or not a good time to sell. Let's say someone is upsizing or thinking of upsizing right now. And they're saying, 
how do I manage this transition? Am I buying first, selling first? What are, how do I go about this? What's the, what are the advice points that we're giving them? I would first say talk to your mortgage broker like <laughs> like we just mentioned a few seconds ago because your purchasing power, if you would have talked to a mortgage broker last year, was probably 20% more than it is now. So, I mean, really talk to your mortgage brokers to understand what you have to play with in terms of uh, funds. Let's say someone is approved. Let's say they have a $600,000 condo and they want to buy a $1.1 million house. Are they buying first or are they selling first? If it were last year, we'd say sell your place first, or sorry, we'd say buy another place and then sell your home because we knew for sure it would sell. In this market, I would definitely recommend selling your home first because it might take up to maybe two or three months before you sell. And that's just if you get an accepted offer. And then on top of that, you need about two months for completing, which means you could be up to five months before you actually get a solid sale. So it gives you enough time to find another place. Whereas if you buy a place and then you need to complete on it within two months, you know, you're going to be having to pay almost who knows how much more for three months. How are you guys handling that objection? I mean, buying first right now is not the safest unless you're going to be realistic about your listing price and not just realistic, um, aggressive, you know, being realistic. Yes. But also be aggressive to where there's no chance that you won't sell it. (laughs) But in this market right now, you know, you, you do have to sell. If you have to sell in order to buy something, then you should sell before you buy something. That's just perfect, um, makes perfect sense. But also, um, you know, people that are pricing it aggressively right now are still selling and they're still buying and everything is fine. There's not been any um, problems there. Even a subject to sale or a long close can all go through nice and smooth if you're pricing it well, Adam, yeah, you good on that? Yep, Adam agrees with me. Mm-hmm. Hold <laughs> on, you said a term in there that I haven't heard for a few years. Subject to sale? Yeah, what does that mean? What, what I don't it? know, does it mean you, <laughs> right, is it like, is, is it a subject like it's in back, school? Baby. Like it's social back. studies? <laughs> like math? I had, I had sale this, is a subject? I had this yeah, listing that. realtor today call me just before I got here and he was like, hey, um, are your clients still interested in this place? Um, if they are, my sellers are open to a subject to sale. So then I called Denny and I was like, Denny, what's a subject to sale? <laughs> and, um, and, and then he told me it's, it's when somebody, <laughs> it's when a mommy and a daddy, there's a, the mommy house and a daddy house get together and they have a baby house. And I was like, oh, subject to sale right i'm, I'm way more confused than oh. our podcast I thought, listeners I thought, <laughs> birds and the bees guys birds and the bees yeah it's just you have to sell your house or or else the deal doesn't complete but i think what you're getting at is that right now we're nervous for you to be buying first right yeah. let's be honest and, at the and, end and, of the and, day but our subject to sales happening because a yes, lot of people are. are asking that 100 percent i just did one are they like successfully completing and i've successfully completed it I was only because I've prepared my sellers for the worst case scenario, but we went ahead with Wait, a sorry, little bit better scenario. Wait, sorry, did your sellers accept the subject to sale or were you writing a subject to sale We offer? wrote a subject oh, to sale. okay. So you... So we bought, a, we bought a property subject to sale and then we had to sell the property, but be realistic within the realms of what we had mm-hmm. and there you go, mm-hmm. baby sale. 
There you go. See, you got my joke, Lucas. Lucas is the only one that gets me on this team. If anyone understood that joke that's listening, please <laughs> send me a message and explain it to me. I, yeah. No comment. No comment. Okay. What, what, so from the buyer side, yes, they're available. I would say based on situation, based on what product you're looking at, how long it's been on the market, is it priced competitively or not? Um, but from the seller side, let's say you've got a listing that's been on the market for 30 days. You haven't seen an offer. It's been fairly slow. You get an offer subject to sale. How are you presenting that to sellers? Because most, I find most sellers, first of all, don't understand what a subject to sale means for them. But second of all, are very hesitant to work with them. True. But there's no offers and coming. I, I think it's going to depend on how it's presented to you. Um, if they already have if the person who's trying to buy from you already has that property up for sale and it's priced well, it's priced competitively, um, then you can look at that and be like, hey, they've already got it up. It's already active. They're getting they're getting action. It's priced well. I can't guarantee that this is going to sell, but this this is at least for being in the world of subject to sale. This is a strong subject to sale situation. Whereas if they come in, they haven't listed the place yet. They haven't taken pictures. They're not telling you a listing price. You don't know what kind of property it is. Then you just let them know what their options are and then what the, what the risk they run with getting it. Um, and just try to protect them the best they can to give them as many options as you can. But, um, it it is going to, there, there are different types of subject to sales you can get in front of you. And it's really about deciphering the strength of that subject to sale, explaining that to your seller in a way that they can understand and just giving them the options. There's other, uh, I just want to add on to what Adam had, uh, had uh, expressed there and he did a really good job of it as well you can uh, tell him he did a shitty job he did a no, shitty I job i think he did fantastic thanks okay. sean I, yeah. I need the support yeah, no, you, <laughs> you got it in me bud <laughs> but uh no just to add on to what adam had uh so well put forward mm-hmm. there thanks, uh, we already know you they're, agree they're with dating. his answer let's <laughs> just go we are we're <laughs> come to our seminar uh, <laughs> there's a plug right there but uh it, it's a one thing to keep in mind that subject to sales usually have terms in them that state that if there is a better offer that comes through that the other offer that had the subject to sale has 24 or 48 hours to remove that subject which means exactly does it need to be better no not necessarily so they can be written in so many different ways like all contract or contracts of purchase and sale are written you know some people might say that's unconditional offer some people might state that um the other offer that comes in is no subjects. But you can write that into the offer too. When you're writing a subject to sale offer, you can write in that it has to be a subject free offer in order to invoke. Exactly. Clause. Yeah. Yep. That's getting cheeky. I try to stay cheeky as possible, guys. I think. Can I summarize? Because <laughs> that was confusing as shit. Uh, <laughs> Sellers, I would be very open to working with subject to sales as long as you understand what they mean. Make sure your realtor explains to you the terms in them because buyer's agents, like Lucas said, away from the mic, so you probably didn't hear. Cheeky. Yeah, there can be some very cheeky language in it. And so you just want to make sure that they're explained correctly so you understand what you're getting yourself into. I, I would say if you're a little bit overpriced, if you've been sitting on the market a little bit, 
of time. Um, be open to subject to sales, especially if they've got a decent product to sell. And that's what you're, you're going to want to look into that too. But there is some language that can make it difficult to get out of that clause if you're not aware of it. So examples of that would be typically you've got, typically you invoke a 24, 48 or 72 hour clause to the buyer. If you're in a subject to sale that will give them that amount of time to remove that subject or you automatically move on to the next offer. People have, I've seen people write in their 72 business hours, which only gives you eight hours per day, which makes it actually almost like nine days. But they'll also say business, well, business hours, excluding weekends, excluding holidays and only eight hours a day. So it actually works out to like 11 or 12 days. Seriously, Carl. Uh, and then the other one that was mentioned was unconditional offer. So that means you have to get an offer that's subject free or the buyers have to remove like it, it really doesn't even make sense unless it's a subject free offer, which is super rare right now, which is unlikely going to happen. So just make sure I'd say be open to working with subject to sales, but just make sure you understand the terms that are put into them. Um, what, what types of properties are moving right now? Cause it seems like everything is a little bit different and are there cities or areas that have been less affected by the last nine months? Let's say something is priced correctly. I honestly what I feel like right are you, now are at this very moment, it's the lower end product. I don't mean like terrible lower buildings, end in terms of price but point. I mean price point. Yeah. Five hundred thousand and below, even four hundred thousand and below, or four hundred and fifty thousand and below. That is getting so much attention because it's all the demographics if the building allows certain things like rentals and pets. But you're yet you have your downsizers, you have your your newlyweds, your young families, your first time home buyers. Everybody is zeroed in that five hundred thousand or below, and it is if it's priced right, the right product, it's selling. So specifically, condos. In specifically, my, strata. Mm-hmm. Right now in, is right now up. strata yeah. condos. And and I'm finding if it's above that price point, it's like totally move in ready and nice. Like there are we are finding it's totally hot or cold there either most properties are going through the same process right now selling but there are some that are moving very quickly and getting multiple offer interest and i'm I'm just finding that the ones i'm seeing that are are just very well maintained they show really well in photos and they've had some work on, on them that puts them above other properties in their complex but those are typically the ones that i'm seeing going pretty quick if they're above that price what's really difficult to sell right now duplexes (laughs) (laughs) why why specifically duplexes without any hesitation the recent duplexes are duplex for sale no not right now not right now but duplexes are extremely hard to sell and not just you know a full duplex because everybody loves multifamily like i mentioned but half duplexes are really hard to sell because what happens is they fall into an area of attached housing and typically speaking, people are usually looking for either row homes, townhouses, or condos, which mean duplexes don't get that much love. What if they're priced really well? Doesn't matter. They're still taking what? a long time to sell. Duplexes mm. in Burnaby, predominantly in Burnaby, are taking a long time to sell. Anything else? I, I think overpriced attached homes are really hard to no, sell. No, no, Let's say something is priced correctly. Okay. What product is hard to move right now? Well, 
priced correctly. Um, townhouses. Townhouses that are priced correctly because there's a lot of them. And that's like the... Or you could go on with that, but is that specific to certain areas? Mm -hmm. That's where I'm thinking it's uh, starting to go. Yeah. Like, yes. I understand what you're saying. Like townhouses are, there's a weird anomaly with townhouses because you go to specific areas of town where there's like 30. Well, do you Those think it's because the price points of strata has climbed so much in the last two years that they're pretty close to entry level single family homes they mm -hmm. they are that's yeah. that's why there there's townhouses that are you know between seven to eight sometimes even nine hundred thousand depending on where you're at right now nobody wants to spend you know eight hundred and fifty thousand on a three bedroom two bathroom townhouse that's three floors when they think they might be able to get a detached house and they are in some cases able to get a detached house for that price so why wouldn't they right and uh, they don't have to pay four hundred dollars a month in maintenance fees you know they can get a dump and and reno it that's always mm -hmm. kind of what they tell themselves oh i can get a, a detached for under a million and we can reno it or i can get a new move-in ready townhouse for eight hundred thousand you know so i i think it's townhouses townhouses are, are tough to sell right now from my perspective, I'm seeing like the the lower quality types of products. So the busy street homes, the really generic condos that there's thousands of in every city, the old houses that need a ton of work, that need a couple hundred K in renos are really difficult to move right now. Mm -hmm. The move in ready, the unique types, I think still have some level of um i don't know unique factor that attracts people to them and price correctly they're selling quickly but the stuff that is i don't know i call them c-level properties that are have some some major thing wrong with them whether they're busy street or you know whatever i just mentioned or there's a thousand of them on the market like a standard two-bedroom 850 square foot condo in a city i feel like those are tricky to move unless you're like super conservative on price points right now especially the the land value stuff sean is uh i feel like builders are of ultra hesitance right now you have no idea there denny it's funny i was talking to a developer not too long ago builds tons of uh, detached homes all across vancouver now Sing he started is this single family uh, single family yeah. yeah yeah and uh you know the duplexes that he made were you know, one and a half million they sat for months. He was sitting on millions of dollars worth of property. That's just not moving right now. So developers, instead of going for those 50 foot lots in Vancouver, you know, where they could have gotten in $7 million before, they're not even looking at them now. They're looking at the 33 footers. They're looking for duplex lots. Like I mentioned before in the podcast, almost like an hour ago, is everybody's looking for higher density. So that means he's going to be looking for, he or she's going to be looking for, you know, duplexes, fourplexes, places where they can do multifamily. Because right now, Vancouver's shortage for housing. I mean, for example, Surrey itself has almost a 0% vacancy rate. Rents are crazy. And that's a whole nother topic. And <laughs> that's why I met with someone today, actually, that bought new construction. So they are living in a condo. They bought something new that's completing in the summer. And so we just met, we met for an hour today, just game planning of what they're, um, what they were going to do, whether they're going to move into the new one, sell the old one, whatever, how to line that up. Because when you're buying new construction, you don't really have a firm completion date. And I bring up the idea of completing on it if they financially can and renting it. 
And like, well, how's that even going to look? And so we're like running through some numbers and they're like, well, that would put us in a better cash flow position than we thought. So just like, <laughs> I, I think there's deals out there to be honest. And I think there's a lot of deals where you can be fairly cash flow neutral which is what you're wanting to be obviously an investment property. But I just think people are very close minded on thinking very transaction specific rather than big picture specific. So I think there's a lot of deals out there for people who maybe have some equity built up that could take it out and buy a second property, rent it out as cash flow neutral, or like these guys stressing over the idea of the move, the idea of completing and spending an extra thousand dollars, et cetera, or if, as an example on um, mortgage payments a month, but just having the idea in the back of your head, oh, what about if I use this as an investment property? I think there's a lot of deals out there for that. Okay, let's talk about predictions. Everyone get your crystal ball out. I know you've all got one because you're a realtor mm-hmm. and you know exactly what's going to happen in the next year. What's going to happen in the next year? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what do you see the spring's going to be? What are we... I'm what? not making eye contact with Denny, so he doesn't make me. He keeps looking at me. <laughs> Monica, <laughs> what is the spring going to bring us? I won't. I won't. Pass. Pass? Why should you pass? Merit. Right. Okay, I think it's going to be busy. I think Why? what I'm seeing right now, within week after week after week, every open house that I've been having has gone from, let's say, beginning of February to like two to three groups coming through an open house to now 17 groups coming through. There's a ton of buyers out there. It's just they haven't had the chance or the thought process or the right realtor. I don't know what it is to pull the trigger. And that's going to all happen as soon as spring hits. Sun comes out, stops snowing. I think it's pretty solid. I've done a lot of open houses in January and February, and um, they were busy especially in a listing that took me a little bit long to sell now, but it's, it's gone now, but there was a lot of people there every weekend and every Monday I'd be sitting by my computer like, yeah, today's the day I'm getting offered <laughs> because in the past when that many buyers had come through, you were seeing an offer on Monday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they're out there and they're pre-approved and they're looking, then yeah, it could be busy, but yeah, it depends on, on what their motivation is. Are they going to buy this year? I don't know. What about on the financing side? You tell me. I feel like you have some information. Have, uh, some insider info. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it seems like rates are coming down. A couple big banks have announced interest rate drops, for lack of a better word. And uh, talking to a few mortgage brokers recently, it seems like there is going to be more of that coming in the next month or two. Even talking about speculation tax, uh, mortgage brokers seem to think that it's either coming down or maybe even, sorry, not speculation tax, stress, stress test. test. Stress test may, <laughs> there's no guarantee of this obviously, but maybe eliminated may come down to half of what it is now. So it seems like the local governments are seeing that the market has slowed significantly and that wasn't really necessarily their goal. It was more just to slow it down a little bit. And they're trying to counteract now. And so I agree. I think the next few months are going to be pretty active. I don't know when it's going to start. It feels like every week is busier than the last right now in terms of number of phone calls from people looking to sell and people coming through open houses. So I'm kind of excited about uh, the next few months. Have you heard from some of your mortgage brokers about 
So there are some banks that don't use mortgage brokers. Like specifically, we're not going to do this. There's not, this. Yeah, there's not many. Well, just this, let's throw this out. H- HSBC. And RBC, yeah. Yeah. So they're coming in with super low rates that even mortgage brokers can't match. I found that out today. It's not that mortgage brokers can't no, match sorry, them. No, not it's the mortgage brokers. Other lenders the haven't other lenders. matched them yeah. yet. And so, so are they holding tight to their numbers almost like... I don't believe that that's possible or what's going to happen. Well, no, that's what the mortgage brokers are saying is that in talking with other lenders, the lenders yeah. that use brokers, is that there's going to be a bit of a rate war this spring. Yeah, yeah. It's happening so, now. Well, yeah, RBC announced the drops, I don't know, a week ago maybe. And it seems like it's just starting. The I stress heard. test is going to be the big thing though. If that mm-hmm. goes away or really? if it gets cut in half, goes from being qualified at 5.4 to 3 whatever 4.4 it's a big difference in terms of what people can buy mm-hmm. what about the next year <laughs> well the stress test is going to be a big indicator of how how it will be because in real estate it's a trickle up effect not a trickle down effect i'm finding that if the condos are selling fast that means people are upsizing into townhouses and if the townhouses are selling fast that means they're upsizing into detached nobody goes straight into buying an over a million dollar detached. So it's it's the people that are buying these condos that are affected and it's trickle up, right? So that could be blowing the market wide open if if that really does happen if if the stress test changes and it and if it does, then then yeah, there's no reason I mean people still need to buy their first home. People still um need to upsize to that two bedroom instead of one. I mean, the 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 world and the social um, aspects of needing to buy homes hasn't changed. Just the money has, right? So, prediction. I don't like to predict. To tell you the truth, I don't. I don't educated like to guess. That's why I said pass. Well, you can say pass. It worked for me earlier. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> if we're gonna do an educated guess, then it's different than predicting. But I. I think no matter what, real estate is a long-term vision, and if you're realistic with that, then it's always going to grow. If you're trying to make a short buck, as they would call it, it's, it's not in this market right now, and I don't see it within the next year unless you're being kind of what, like, Sean's saying, you, you, you go in as a developer and you can buy something super low, and then maybe you can make some dollars off of that, but even those clients of mine are struggling. Are you afraid to be wrong? I'm never afraid to be wrong. I'm just give me something then. What do you want? Want a prediction? In a year from now, what's going to happen? No, give me your idea of what the next twelve months is going to look like. You just said you had all these buyers, and you thought it was going to get busy. Well, you just said that. We're talking about a year from now, (laughs) right? Well, you can say what you think for the next three to four months. Well, I I think in the next three months, the fall is going to get super busy for buyers, and they're going to have a hard time buying a great a value that they want, and they're going to have to pay more. Sellers are going to be making more, but then when fall rolls around again, we're going to be back into the same situation where it's going to kind of die off again and you have to be realistic with your values. But it really kind of comes down to what your motivation is. And I think that's the ultimate root of what's going on here right now in real estate. What is your motivation as a buyer or as a seller? That's where it all comes down to. It's not just like 2016 where it's like, oh, I'm just going to buy this and then in three months from now, I'm going to make 100000 It's not quite like buying Bitcoin. It's like buying Boeing's stock right now is probably a great time because in the last day, it's gone down $25 billion. So right now, I'd buy. 
Sean, what are your predictions for duplexes specific? <laughs> I want to hear what, what are duplexes going to do? <laughs> for all the listeners out I'm there. I'm a listener. Oh, wow. I have a duplex to sell. What should I expect? That's a really good question. Holy smoke. Burnaby specific duplex. <laughs> according can we, can we dial that according in? to oh. your can we dial previous statement, East, can we dial the it in East Burnaby? Like East Burnaby's Burnaby, a little too specific. East Burnaby's, Burnaby duplex. Yeah. <laughs> if your address is this. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think Burnaby duplexes are probably the slowest moving inventory on the market. And, <laughs> and, but I think they're also the slowest um, to, I guess, move to the market condition. So I think if the market takes off and condos, townhouses, and all that stuff starts to go up, same with single family, I think then duplexes will become a viable choice for people. But I think right now, the prices of duplexes are almost the exact same prices as single family homes. I mean, for example, there's a house on 13th Avenue just off of First Street in Burnaby that's listed for 1049000 Fantastic price for a house, a single family house that's two doors down from you know, a, uh, a private school, John Knox. So, I mean, if you have a duplex that's listed for $1.5 million, or you can buy a single family for $1,050,000, then people are going to go for the single families. I think duplexes need to cut their prices in order to make them a viable option for people. Because, I mean, with a single family home, you can have three bedrooms upstairs and a two-bedroom suite downstairs. Whereas in a duplex, you might have only three bedrooms in total. So you don't have an option for a rental suite. So in terms of predictions for duplexes, I think they'll most likely come down in price based on where the market is heading right now. Um, if I were to look at my crystal ball, I think um, we can't just look at the stress tests alone. I think it's a testament for seeing how outside influences real estate markets. I mean, you see the political side that affects the markets. You see the economics that affects the markets. I mean, if they're providing incentives for people to build homes, um, that's fantastic with suites and laneway houses. Then we'll probably start to see the developers get a little bit more active, which means they'll buy houses, which means people will either downsize, move, or do lateral shifts, right? Which also means construction people will be a bit more busy, which means they'll be paying local businesses, which means we're going to be getting the ball rolling again. So prediction for the future, if uh, the stress tests start to you know, lighten up a bit, that's fantastic. I think we'll start to see a shift in the market. I think it'll be slow. I think it might take three to six months because people will start to wonder, you know, what the heck's happening? What's the inventory that's out there? We may not have the right type of inventory for the people who are looking at buying. So long of a short, I think it'll get busier. That was pretty long, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys care what I have to say? Mm. No? Okay, we'll wrap, <laughs> we'll wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> I see the next three months as being really active. I see listings turning over a lot quicker. I don't necessarily see a big jump in prices, maybe a small like zero to 5% type of increase in the next few months. Um, I think every year that I've been in real estate, the spring has always been the most active time. Last year was a bit of an anomaly being like an early spring peak in April kind of thing, but May, June started the decline. But I think that was due to stress test stuff and mortgage rates. I see, I see a busy next three months. I see a teeter off in the summer and then a pretty slow fall. I think fall 2019 is going to be very similar to fall 2018 in that stuff will turn over, but it's like 30 to 45 days on market. If you're priced correctly, you'll get people through the door, but it's not going to be like 15 groups through an open house. It's going to be three, four, five. And I think we're going to, 
I think it's going to be like a couple years, two or three years before we see another big run in Greater Vancouver real estate. And that is assuming that legislation doesn't come out with any fucking crazy speculation tax ideas again. Um, and assuming that interest rates remain relatively stable, if interest rates go up another percent and a half, obviously that's going to hurt real estate market. That's my little spiel. That's what I'm sticking with. I'm okay to be wrong, but I think I'm going to be right. Luke is looking at me like he wants to say something. I agree. I missed this whole conversation, but I agree. <laughs> Just the faith in the team. <laughs> Anything you want to want to end with something? Adam and I could be digging. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just going to be du- more duplex talk. <laughs> I just wanted to add, uh, sorry, I have to do a shameless plug here, Denny. Um, well, let's start it with this. We want to help people. We want to provide information. And so we're trying to figure out the right ways to do that, whether it's podcasts, whether it's videos on our social media, whether it is in-person seminars. So we're trying to do a little bit more in terms of being involved in the community and putting ourselves out there so that we are, I don't know what the right word is. A great resource for your real estate needs. We want to be a resource for real <laughs> estate needs. On his yeah. If you have a fucking duplex in Burnaby, you need to call this guy because he knows more about duplexes than anyone else at Creative Vancouver. Okay, go ahead. Plug your... Uh, Adam and, <laughs> that was a fantastic start to this. Uh, Adam and I are going to be doing a uh, buyer and seller seminar, and it's going to be happening on April 4th. And it's going to give a lot of information and it's going to answer a lot of questions. Some people have had questions about, you know, should I renovate my home before I sell it? You know, is right now a good time to buy? Is right now a good time to sell? You know, what do I need to do in order to buy and or sell? What should I do first? What should I do later? And I think uh, Adam and I are pretty prepared for your question. So we'll be plugging it for the next few weeks and we hope to see you out there. What are your marketing videos going to look like? Mm-hmm. Stay tuned and find out. <laughs> got, a, got, got a couple ideas. Got a couple ideas. I like when Sean came up with a good idea today. It's in line with your You're sign. You're not going to share it? No, I know. I know. I heard oh, you. Oh, I yeah. Heard uh, it. Wait, you sure? Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a take off of a comedians and cars getting coffee. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, will sh- you or will you not be playing music? I likely will not, but I'm not promising. If you would like to hear Adam play music, <laughs> comment and we will make sure he plays music. <laughs> uh, guys, we want to be your resource for everything real estate. I would love to start doing these little group sessions more often, and I'm sure they're going to happen more often. And we will update you in a month and a half when my prediction comes true. And the spring is crazy. Uh, that is all. Later, guys. Have a good evening. See ya. Bye. 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 Miss you already. (laughs) 